If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, everyone. Matt Lieb here. Before uh, we get started on this week's episode of Pod Yourself the Wire, I just have a quick little announcement for those of you in Los Angeles. March 16th, that's a week from today, uh, if you are listening to this today, uh, March 16th, 2023, at 8 p.m., there's going to be a stand-up comedy show that I produce along with some other comedians uh, over at the Silver Lake Independent JCC. Uh, it's a show called Michigas. Basically, it is a crowd work show. The stand-up comedians go on stage, and we talk to the audience about whatever their problems are, and we try to work through those problems with them in a funny way. It's a lot of fun. Uh, people often come to the show and talk about their shitty roommates or they talk about, you know, some guy they like or some girl they like. And then the comedian go is on stage and uh, kind of riffing with them. Super fun show. I would love for anyone in Los Angeles to come to this show. We do it every month over at the Silver Lake Independent JCC. So if you would like to go to this stand-up comedy show March 16th, at 8 p.m., please go to sijcc.net and buy your tickets now. You can see it in the calendar. Uh, just click calendar and you'll find it there. Once again, that's sijcc.net. Also, we'll put a link to get your tickets uh, in the show notes uh, in the description of this episode. Buy tickets to Michigas on March 16th at 8 p.m. Going to be a lot of fun. Hope to see you out there, Los Angeles. Podcast. Hi, I'm Matt Lee. And I'm Vince Mancini. And this is Pod, Pod Yourself The Wire. A The Wire podcast where Vince Mancini and I go through every single episode of The Wire and, and talk about, about it. it. Thank you once again for listening to the world's only The Wire podcast. Make sure to give us five stars and a review. Make sure that you're listening to us on the Pod Yourself a Gun feed, the one feed, to rule them all and in the darkness bind them. Uh, I see that most people have switched over. Thank you for, uh, you know, following uh, instructions. Sorry about creating a, a, another feed. <laughs> My bad. Idiot. Anyways, today. 
Vince and I are going to be talking about the episode from season two of The Wire, episode eight, Duck and Cover. And our guest today is a returning Pod Yourself champion. You have heard her on Pod Yourself a Gun, a Sopranos podcast, as well as her own wonderful podcast that she does called Hollywood Crime Scene. Ladies and gentlemen, our guest today is Rachel Fisher. Hello. It's so good to be back. I'm so glad to have you back. This is fucking dope, dude. I'm stoked on it. And you, you know what? I'm so excited for this episode. Oh, yeah? Specifically, yes. It's a, it's a it, great yeah, episode. It's a banger. It's a banger. And, you know, when we were, you know, talking about which episodes we're going to go with which, I was like, this one is perfect for Rachel because it has all of the things that I know that she loves to talk about. Mm. It's mm. got Polish people. Mm-hmm. It's got it's got ducks. It's yep. got uh, dudes rocking. It's all of the things. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all my favorite things. You nailed it. Yeah, I it just I'm I'm so glad you came on. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Do you like The Wire? I do like The Wire. Sick. This my first time watching The Wire was actually last year. Upon your insistence, yes, actually, <laughs> and I was, and it was a show. Obviously, I had been meaning to get around to for sure. many, many years. Mm-hmm. I watch a lot of television. I love prestige dramas. The Wire. I just, I never got around to it because I was Did like, that have... is that is a big. <laughs> That's a big undertaking. Yeah, it's like homework. Did you did you attempt it at one point and kind of go like, mm, no, not right now, or did, was yes. it just? Oh, yeah. A long time ago, I did. And then yeah. I forgot about it. And then I remembered, <laughs> oh, I still haven't watched that when you started this begging? podcast. I mean, when, when the show is begging like, people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When like the public is way ahead of you on a show and you're and you've never seen it before. It feels like a daunting task to try and right. yeah. catch. Yeah. I was there for Mad Men for a long time. Oh, oh. yeah. I, I did that late, too. Yeah. I was I was like. I think I was, I watched that as it aired because at that point I was such a big Sopranos fan that I was like, well, I gotta, you know, I gotta watch the show from the maker of the Sopranos. Or yeah, one but of you're the guys. like, but it was like, what the fuck? This show doesn't have any mobsters or murders or like a single Italian. Like, what am I going to get out of this? You know, <laughs> It had an Italian. He was a gay art director. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I do like that the only Italian was just like real gay because it was kind of like, I don't know, it felt like, uh, um, you know, their way of being like, we're done with Italians, you know, watching this <laughs> show, you know, we're just we're finished with them. I don't know where I'm going with this. Uh, <laughs> but no, it had everything. Mad Men had everything that I wanted. It was like had all the reasons I like the Sopranos. It had cool guys mm-hmm. be, yeah. being men, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's very when men were men show. Fedoras. Milady. Mm. Hot guys. Yeah. Yeah, hot guys. Just There's a, hot bunch, guys in it. Bunch of hot guys rocking out, just like, you know, seeing ladies and being like, ugh. You know? <laughs> it's good stuff. I actually had watched a show starring Dominic West 
mm-hmm. prior to seeing The Wire. And it was Whoa. a show I that Desi and I got into that we both agreed was a bad show, but we couldn't stop watching. And it starred Dominic West. Huh. I said to her, I say, I fucking hate this guy. He is not hot enough to be acting like this. In this show. <laughs> and she said, well, he's really good on The Wire. And I said, well, I haven't seen The Wire. I just don't like this guy. And as soon <laughs> as I started watching The Wire, I'm like, OK, he is pretty hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he's, probably wasn't enough of an Irish rascal in that other show, whatever it was. He wasn't. He was just a yeah. cheating husband who was a dipshit. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, the, like what makes McNulty hot is that he is just like he's not just like a fuck boy. It's that he's a scumbag. He's yeah. like that. There's something about like a drunken Irish scumbag that is irresistible to most ladies. I think. Mm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, he's got you... that kind of alcoholism you think you can fix or you think yes. you can work with. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Fun yes. alcoholism. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, uh, and, and functional in the loosest sense of the word because, like, he's just functional enough as an alcoholic to, like, keep his job as a cop, which I think is, I think that's relatively easy, but also functional enough to, um, I think he can still fuck even when he is completely drunk. So he's a hundred percent. Absolutely. So it's like a super, it's almost like, it's like a golden handcuff in a way. Right. Where, where he's like, he's never too drunk to fuck. So he's stuck being a horny man. Who's always ready to go. Even when, even when he doesn't want to, you know, it's a really horny character. <laughs> yeah. And my opinions of him have, dramatically changed since watching the entirety of this show the other thing i wanted to point out that i love about the wire obviously people talk about how grounded in reality this show is Mm -hmm. but the one thing i realized was this is like the only piece of media i've ever watched that has accurately portrayed an aa meeting yes Mm -hmm. yes yes did you notice that Yes, I did 100%, 100% agree. The only one. The, the only, only one. one. I've never seen uh, any other show that does, I mean, and they do it in so many shows. I mean, we talked about it on The Sopranos. Uh, right. the All the like cross-talking that happens and the Chris Moltisante goes to AA meetings well, There's episodes. always somebody with like a clipboard yes. and they're always sitting in a circle and it's always like, Mm, Chris Moltisanti, do you want to share today? Right, yeah, full names. <laughs> the full names. <laughs> like, and just people cross, yeah, people cross talking back and forth. People um being like, you gotta, you gotta get a sponsor. And it's like a straight guy telling yeah. that to a woman, being like, I'll be your sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and like not only that, but it's also like the wire does the perfect uh, like AA meeting or NA meeting in terms of just the amount of People who are bust in from mm-hmm. different uh, rehab centers, either like, you know, the, it's like the federally subsidized ones because they caught a case and then they have to go and get their report card filled out. Like it was all the detail. It of, was the detail that was yeah. incredible. And even the people in the crowd going like, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like yes. occasionally, like certain like some meetings, like you will get sometimes you'll get somebody going like, that's right. Or making like 
kind of yes. like a, the AA version response. of Amen. Yeah. You know, yes. almost. Which is like literally the only thing you can do during someone else's share. It's like, right. the, and every other show, I was I was rewatching Breaking Bad and they had this, Ugh. oh God, the most annoying 12-step meetings in which like, number one, it feels like uh, the person who's leading the meeting is also the one who's like, you know, uh, who runs it and is also like a medical professional. It's like, it always feels like, is this rehab or is this, what are we doing here? That's and then weird everyone's because the meth addicts in that show were so uh, believable. That's true. I, I mean, it's true. And Breaking Bad, <laughs> just full disclosure, that is my favorite show of all time. But, oh, whenever, sure. but whenever it gets to Jesse... Oh. Getting getting sober, getting clean, and he goes or to that. Or hanging out with tweak his tweaker friends. Holy shit! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's but, so inaccurate. Yeah. <laughs> Him at a meeting, like trying to, uh, like when they were all trying to like sell drugs to people, and they're like, "This is the perfect thing." It's like, buddy, listen, I've I've been in this exact situation. I it was when I first. <laughs> ran out of drugs when I went to college and I was like, I don't have a connect. And I was like, you know what I'll do? I'll go to a 12 step meeting. Nice and, try. And, and I bet you there's going to be a guy there. There's all these addicts. I bet there's one guy there who's like, I got the, I got the hookup and uh, turned out not a thing. Not Just a not thing. a thing. Here's where you get your drugs when you're trying to get sober, but not really is the sober <laughs> living house. Yes. That's where yes, it happens. Yes. A hundred percent. But this is not a show. Uh, called Breaking Bad? No, <laughs> this is Breaking Good, mm -hmm. aka The Wire. And we, of course, cannot start the podcast without first playing the theme song. When you pod the garden, you get a pod. Oh, man. Well, I beg your pod. Walk the street podcast. Trend. Pod. Jesus gonna save the docks. You gotta keep the Polish pod down in the hole. Season two. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone else today. We're talking about from season two of The Wire, episode eight, Duck and Cover, which premiered on July 27th, 2003. Vince, break us off a little piece of the synopsis that I wrote. Ziggy gets a duck. That's it. Yep. That's the episode. Um, and it's and what an episode it yeah. is. But, I mean, uh, I feel like upon first watch, like if you mm. remember one thing about season two, it's that Ziggy had a duck. 100%. 100%. It is maybe the most memorable thing. It's one of the rare wire episodes where you're like I did cuz usually you can't individualize the episodes. You're not like, "Oh, that's the episode in which." But as soon as I saw it said duck and cover, I was like, "Is this a one where he has a duck?" Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's, then he you know, like The, the Wire is booth. a great show, but it's not a very random show and this is like no. the only episode that, you know, you could describe as like, "Oh my gosh, it's so random." So random. <laughs> <laughs> but before we get into the episode, I feel like we need to know what happened at yeah. the time that this episode came out. I agree, Matt. Um, I mm, think do that, you? yeah, I think that, you know, for uh, when we evaluate art, we need to, mm? to evaluate it uh, along with 
the uh, context, cultural context in which it was produced. Uh-huh. Yeah. And for that, we go to the back in the day machine. It's a bad time for newspapers. The news hole is shrinking as advertising dollars continue to decline. There ain't no back in the day machine tells the tale, son. Yeah. That's right. We're going all the way back to July 27th, 2003. That is like 20 years ago almost. Can you believe it? Jesus. Time flies. God damn it. Time freaking flies. Uh, On that note. I'm old. I'm old. On this day, Bob Hope died in his sleep at age 100. Oh, Uh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That was Snoop. (laughs) Sorry. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. R.I.P. to a real one. Uh, yeah. His grandson, Zach Hope, told TV interviewer Soledad O'Brien that when asked on his deathbed where he wanted to be buried, Hope is alleged to have told his wife, wife Dolores, surprise me. Ah, uh, hmm. that's good. Yeah, I, like I like it. That. Still, doing, still doing bits on the, on the deathbed. Yeah, I agree with that. What do you want to, people to do with you after you die? I don't give a shit. Whatever makes you happy, man. Yeah, I, I really, I could care. It's just like, throw me in the trash if that's funny. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> like, whatever bit you want to do mm-hmm. with my body, I'm actually kind of okay with. Bury me upside down, put the flowers in my butthole. Just like, yeah, just right in there. Um, <laughs> hell, yeah. hell yeah. Yeah, other news? Yeah, that's avant-garde. That's cute. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, yeah. it is. You're doing an art as you die, that's, which would mm-hmm. for you is ironic because you hate art. Yeah, we could call it Brown Dahlia. Um, Jesus. Ooh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, other news that was happening mm-hmm. on July 27, 2003. Lance, o- Lance, Armstrong, mm-hmm. <clears throat> Lance Armstrong won his fifth straight tour to France. Oh, oh good boy. for him. Yeah. Good for him. You know what? He's a real a real uh, inspiration to all the kids He's an inspiration. He beat cancer. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm, you know what? I'm happy for him. I hope he doesn't get caught of, like, for cheating and mm-hmm. get some sort of comeuppance. Mm-hmm. I feel like this has happened a few times on the show where we have uh, done an episode that happened uh, on the day that Lance Armstrong won another thing. Yeah. yeah and every he... time I I have to mention that, like, I don't think what he did is that bad. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> He was he was no. playing the game. Uh, this was a somewhat different Armstrong, however. Unlike the champion of the previous four years, he seemed weary, physically and emotionally. Humbled is the way he put it on this morning on the train, relaying the 147 remaining riders from Nantes to the start of the 20th and final stage outside Paris. Boy, that is a nightmare sense. Uh, I came into this race very confident I'd win, Armstrong said, but I won't be so confident before next year's tour. As a victory speech, that lacked his customary bravado. Uh, yeah, he's probably because he felt guilty yeah. for being a cheat. He was uh, only the second five-time consecutive winner, which I thought you know I thought he was more impressive than that. But uh, yeah, yeah, that is kind of weird. Yeah, yeah. Um, other news: uh, a grenade ambush at an Iraqi hospital killed three GIs. Uh, you know, oh, shit. so the whole. The whole insurgency. That's not funny news. No. Yeah. But you know, you I gotta know. It. You gotta know about the insurgency to understand this episode of The Wire. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so they threw they threw a grenade. Like a grenade attack is is it more than one grenade? Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay. I don't know. You want me to read the whole story? I thought you. Were... I don't really. Yeah, no, you don't. <laughs> um, lighter news. 
this is a this is a profile in the New York Post. He's the queen of mean TV. Queer Eye star Carson Kressley wants to make all of you over. Uh, mm, this is okay. appa- apparently uh, the the Queer Eye for the Straight guy had premiered uh, one week ago. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Carson wow. Kressley can't tell the difference between a straight guy and a gay guy anymore. I can. One of them uh, <laughs> it was, has sex with men. This is not Colin response. <laughs> and uh, the other one. It's getting harder every day, says the bitchy blonde host of TV's hottest reality show, Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. Though it's only been on the Bravo channel for two weeks, the makeover show, in which five gay men overhaul an unstylish straight man, has become such a breakout hit that NBC, who owns the basic cable network, aired an episode in the prime slot after Will and Grace this past Thursday. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Look, there used one... to be a lot more makeover shows. Yeah. yeah. I, I, mean, I kind of miss that era. I mean, uh, Queer Eye's back, but now it's not so much a makeover. Well, it is sort of a makeover show, but it's more of like a, you know, a therapy hour, I guess. It feels like Habitat yeah. for Humanity for people who live uh, in in like one bedroom apartments. Yeah, that's well, what you know it, what, that's what like, it feels like. I like that show. I watched I watched all of it, but uh, I feel like it used to be they found someone who was uh, a disaster and like made their life better, and now it just seems like they kind of just find someone who's interesting and talk to him for a while yeah for me i feel like the conceit of the show was and i could be wrong maybe i'm misremembering this but like the person they were making over was like also afraid of gays yeah that's and and that was originally like a big part of the show for sure it was like learning it was like them being like you know the gays are actually i gotta say that's the nicest bunch of women i ever met you know (laughs) what i mean i have there's some of that in this profile uh he admits he can get a little too touchy-feely for his straight subjects. I get a little frisky, wow. admits Cressley, who worked at Ralph Lauren for seven years. I worked on photo shoots, so I'm used to zipping up pants and jamming my hands down there because you just have to take the picture. <clears throat> when I did underwear Why styling... Why do they have to include that part? <laughs> yeah, uh, what do they mean? <laughs> also, like, can't, can't you just tell the guy... Um, Tuck in your shirt, like it feels so weird. <laughs> well, he, he did underwear. St- when I did underwear styling, oh, I never went sure. down there, but I was like, "Point your baby at six, and we'll call it a day." Point your baby <laughs> at <laughs> six. Uh-huh. Calling a dick a baby too much for me. That's like, <laughs> you know, I listen. I'm not homophobic, but don't call my dick a baby. All right, <laughs> okay. What do you? Because that it? just. Mm, well, yeah, you call it it first of all it's full grown at least a it's toddler. a chonky boy mm-hmm. it's a chon- it's my chonky, chonky. It's my like good chonky boy <laughs> i like it <laughs> yeah, that's a good dick name um yeah no i mean i've only watched a little bit of the new queer eye but it it's missing the bit of like you know uh suspicious old man looking mm-hmm. at gays going get out of my house well, like the the best thing about the new one is there's like a guy who's like who's like a a good like fake therapist who makes the person cry and then there's like the interior decorator guy who remakes their entire house and makes it look incredible. literally the most important guy <laughs> yeah and then there's <laughs> and then there's a guy who teaches him how to make like a salad and he's like there right. yeah <laughs> like, yeah good, good I, job dude i i always feel like th- there's like the salad guy getting airtime. I feel bad for him because he's just like, Ugh. you buy arugula and then you, 
<laughs> you get some parm and, and the other guy is like i just built a brand new like uh fucking second story on your trailer and this guy's like, now you've got a you've got a viewing room you've got two foyers yeah. and then the other guy's just like if you put the apples in with the <laughs> some olive oil tastes walnuts. grassy <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's just like he's um you know but he's doing his best yeah 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 yeah, well, um, that's an amazing so, that's an amazing time. Yeah, so to recap, Bob Hope dead, Lance Armstrong champion, uh, insurgency going down, going great, and queer eye for the straight guy, uh, big old hit. Yeah, this was also a time when people like the term metrosexual was invented, mm-hmm. and it was basically it was to just describe like straight men who like wore didn't, diesel. Right, who wore diesel or didn't wear like a burlap sack in public. I feel like it was a bit of like a proto-hype beast kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was, yeah, straight guys who wore like more expensive denim, Mm -hmm. got regular haircuts, Yeah. maybe got a manicure. Right, Mm -hmm. right. And like moisturized once a week. Right. Yeah, and they were just like, wait, is this gay? And it's like, no. It's Metro. Oh, thank God. <laughs> thank God there's another word for being cleanly. This is really, you know, at the end of the day, it was just an insult to straight people. Because, you know, some of us, mm. we moisturize every day because we have eczema. Because it hurts when we rub our dick. Um, that's, yeah. <laughs> stupid. Oh, well, so, so that's the uh, yeah, uh, back in the day the machine. Back in the day machine. I'm glad we got all of that context. Okay, getting into this episode, um, the Balta B stories, like I said before, this is the episode in which uh, Ziggy gets a duck. And so here's a little bit of today's Balmer B story, um, which I think was the obvious choice. Ziggy's got a duck. That's all I'll play for you guys. Uh, it was really hard to sing that one. Mm. I think I blew out <laughs> my voice. I can't but believe yeah. you didn't pick uh, Trans Metropolitan by the Pogues, which uh, opens the show. I, I felt like no one would have enjoyed that. But Yeah, it's kind of hard to keep up a Shane McGowan accent for a whole exactly. parody song. Yeah, I can't. I can't do it. But I love your Steven Tyler. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Just thank like you. I love your Anthony Kiedis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anthony Kiedis. <laughs> Perfect. Did you wake up your small child when you were doing that? <laughs> I did. It's like the worst <laughs> thing ever is having to plan out when I'm going to sing the song. <laughs> I was like, at one point I was like doing dishes and uh, Francesca comes in and she, uh, you know, she's like, I'm waking up the baby. I was like, okay, um, uh, I got to sing. I got to sing my duck song. I have to do it now. It is the only time. And she was like, well, you have to finish cleaning the dishes. I was like, no time. 
No time. <laughs> Gotta sing duck song. Baby will wake up if I don't sing duck song now. So marriage is going good. Um, and so is raising a child. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, you can listen to the full song at the end of the episode. You know what would have been a good title for this episode? What? Duck, duck, horse. Ah. Honestly? Yeah. Better. I was thinking this is one of the episodes, uh, and we've had a few recently now, where I'm like not totally sold on the title. Like mm. I don't understand. Like last week's episode was called Backwash for no real I mean, reason. This title that I makes sense. There's a duck, and they're covering. Uh, they're doing coverage. They're following the uh, following those cans around. They're covering. It, it, little phoned in. Little it, phoned in. It, sure. uh, it feels pretty because like also duck and cover like the it, like what that's when a, a a nuke hits, right? Yeah. And that's that what you're supposed to do when there's an earthquake or a nuclear attack. You dug, you right. go onto your desk and you cover your head. I, I remember those drills. Did those. Right. Yeah. So I just didn't feel like I was like, I don't know what that has to do with. It just feels like they needed something with duck in it. And I think yeah. Duck Duck Horse way better. Thank you. Yes. Duck and Carver. Duck and Carver mm. even be even better, much Do a better. Pun. Yeah. Yeah. But like the the you know Duck and Carver didn't really make much. Of Backwash made no. I mean, I watched that episode and I was just like, I don't see not one person drinking a a bottle of soda and spitting a little bit back. Which, yeah. Uh, anyways, but uh, yeah, this is the famous. Ziggy buying a duck episode. Jimmy is just spiraling out. He he needs something to do with his life. Frank is starting to get suspicious about uh, the possibility that he is being watched. And um, the uh, detail is watching him very, very closely. And also Bodie uh, fights for a corner. So let's get some general thoughts on this. Vince, what did you think of this episode? I think this is arguably like a top 10 wire episode of all time. Um, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. It was the first time this season that I actually enjoyed Ziggy um, yes. and was not just like simply annoyed by him. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I don't fucking know. hate Ziggy. I mean, I, everybody hates Ziggy, but <laughs> I fucking hate. Can I just yeah. talk about Ziggy for a second? Please, please. Ziggy is part of a genre of television characters that fall under the agent of chaos umbrella. Mm -hmm. He's yes. a Ralphie. Yes. He's a yes. Ralphie. But Ralphie a, was so much better than Ziggy. Like Ralphie right, is but he, enjoyable. But he's the same genre of person who exists solely to fuck shit up yeah. and be right. irritating. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He's also like, if you've ever watched Ray Donovan, great show. He's like John Voight's character in that show where he just comes in like a fucking tornado. Yeah. And just ruins everything. All like yeah. he, everything he touches turns to shit. Yeah, and he's that's wild, what Ziggy is. He's a he's a wild card, and he's also um, not a he is not a clear stereotype of any one kind of thing. Like is so he's hmm. uh, Vince has described him multiple times as a unicorn, basically just like such a uniquely portrayed character that you're just not sure how to feel about him. And right. He ends up just which is easier when annoying. that character is not also annoying. Like you can't right. have him be like, usually like uh, the annoying character works better when it's like a recognizable annoying type. Like fucking mm -hmm. uh, like AJ Soprano. Like we know we know that yes. kid. He's annoying, but like we 
We understand why he's annoying. We even identify yes. with his annoyingness sometimes. Well, he's kind of funny too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he has the greatest line in the show, what no fucking ZD. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. I mean, Ziggy and- gets a few good lines too, especially in this episode. But uh, yeah, Th- but that's he's- true. That's true. He does have the most aggressive Baltimore accent. Yes. In the series, it yeah. is aggressive. Yeah, and and it is it's it's an impressive one too because you at this point in the series, the only people who are doing the Baltimore accent are for the most part are kind of side characters who are not even actors they're like just real people they got like uh the the guy who works in the marine unit with jimmy um and uh like it's basically this actor um actually is from baltimore which is why he's doing unbeknownst to him i'm sure doing a perfect (laughs) baltimore i I think i think we've said it before but like amy ryan is the only actor in this who is not from baltimore but is actually attempting to do it a baltimore exactly yeah she's the the redhead beady yeah beady yeah beady Right. Yeah. Hers she's, is very subtle. Yeah. But it's very good. subtle. It's good. She, yeah. It's not over. It's not like annoying. It's it's there. And it fits yeah. for her because she's like, she's kind of blue collar, but like she's got an air of, you know, I don't know. She's a, she's she's a little she's not quite like she's not a dock worker. Like You wouldn't expect her to right. have like a thick accent in real life. You'd expect it to be kind of, uh, you know, slider like that. Like she does it. Yeah. 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 And uh, and of course, prop Joe from baltimore so he has the accent as well um but uh yeah no ziggy is um an incredibly grating and polarizing character and i feel like in this episode you know we're eight episodes in and i feel like i just remember maybe it was two episodes ago where at one point frank takes ziggy aside after he sees him burn a hundred dollar bill to smoke a cigarette and he just asked them, he's like, what are you about? <laughs> and this is such a great question that I feel like we've been asking ourselves the entire season. Like, what are you about? Yeah. What yeah. is it that makes you tick? Because y- your and motivations I, I feel like are this, not yeah. entirely clear. And I right, feel like this episode right. gives you a greater sense of what motivates yes. Ziggy than any other episode. Yes. Like he's doing yes. shit for the story all, all yes. the time. And like, but he's baffling because he acts like he has a really small dick and he doesn't uh, yes yes he has a giant cock yes mm-hmm. yes and it's a great looking cock it's a great cock but i don't think i could fuck him no he's too annoying he would, to fuck because he's too annoying and he would say something really weird yeah he would do a <laughs> bit in the middle of fucking and you'd be like this was going so good and then you brought right. a duck out he brought he brought the <laughs> duck out it would just it would be a nightmare. I'd feel humiliated. Absolutely. And and I think that Ziggy um in this episode it's it's almost more um I don't know, uh sympathetic to his character because you really really see how just perpetually disrespected he is. Um yeah. so to start out with his storyline, um we we open with something continuing from the previous episode which is that uh the dock workers seem to all be in agreement that they are going to try to egg on Ziggy to the point of like beating up Maui. Um, and Maui in the last episode pulled a prank in which they made Ziggy feel as if he was being served papers for getting um, the, the local who are <laughs> pregnant. <laughs> He's mad at Maui and everyone's telling him you gotta, you gotta go beat him up and not just that, but they're, 
they're trying to tell him that like nah you could take him <laughs> he's built kind of solid though man maui ain't all that it's the clothes that give him size isn't it you think it's his candy zig yo you're a legend legend of the docks cappuccino the fuck is that your pussies they're co-cocking a few moments later how do you fucks try to help him down you'll be up there with him That's all he can think to say is bad advice. He's just so pathetic. And he is a very sad character. If you really, really oh, stop yeah. and think about him, he's kind oh, of yeah. tragic. Well, if he could just, if he could just do theater, if his dad had just gotten him into acting problem solved, like he, great point. He's an actor in the wrong, uh, milieu. Yeah. yeah. He yeah. needs support. This is a young man who needs support and he's not getting it. He's acting out in all kinds of ways. He needs to be around more annoying, attention hungry, uh, like Janice Sopranos. And he just doesn't have enough around him. Yeah. Yeah. He was born in the wrong time and place uh, and into the wrong family. And it's like, it's, it is tragic. He is absolutely a, a tragic character to watch because it's just like, I mean, it's one thing to egg on someone to fight somebody and yeah, they get their ass kicked or whatever, but he doesn't just get his ass kicked. He like punches him and I feel like he almost broke his arm trying to uh, right. trying to hit Maui. And then Maui not only punches him in the face, but takes him up a forklift and just Donkey Kong chucks him like a barrel <laughs> onto the top <laughs> of two stacked crates and... I, I leaves him there, and I suppose he was there for a long time. Like we don't know how long. How long do you think Ziggy was up there? That did stress me out because yes. I, I, I remember when I watched this the first time, thinking, "Well, how did he get down? We never see like a ladder. We never I mean, see the forklift dude's, come back." Dude's was built like a night? spider monkey. I feel like if there's one thing Ziggy could do, it's climb. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. He just has these little flaps and he flies down like that. <laughs> I mean, come on. Flying squirrel that, style. That guy got to be able to climb. He is a flying squirrel. Yeah. yeah. He is. He seems like he has hollow bones. He might just like kind of float down like a lightly like a piece of paper. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, all I could think of when he's up there is like, is this is dangerous guys like ziggy's a wild card he might just jump down mm -hmm. like he's right. kind of stupid they don't care what do they care i know i know but you care a little bit if like no one actually wants to watch him fall to his death i mean but I, that is a good point because normally this type of character i'm like i just want to see them get their ass kicked but there's mm -hmm. something about ziggy that's so pathetic i yeah. don't want to see i don't think he just needs a good ass kicking yeah yeah I, because then he might do something really crazy yes yeah. they, they staged it nicely because it's like he goes up and he hits maui like in the ribs which is very stupid like he did yeah start with a body shot smart <laughs> <laughs> yeah. which was which was good because like if he had actually like hurt maui maui might have been like pissed off and actually you know beaten him to the point that it was not fun to watch but luckily it right. just turned out comical on every level and right which is only more humiliating for ziggy i mean in this episode ziggy is just you know it's not that he is 
really having that much like violence done against him on a regular basis. It's just that he is constantly being humiliated. And yeah. like in his attempt to um, get some vengeance from constant humiliations, he only gets more humiliated. And um, and to me, like the scene in which Ziggy is in the car with Nikki um, and, you know, uh, Nikki mentions Hey, I heard you. I heard you tried to fight Maui. What are you, some kind of badass now? And he's just like, even his own cousins just laughing in his face. Well, and he's um, very annoying. That's the thing. No, that's the root uh, issue. It's it's true. It's but but as someone who has empathy, <laughs> when I watch a character like Ziggy constantly get shit upon. You know, I I end up siding with that character, but then he always does something. Yeah, no, there needs to be learning. He's very much like Kit in A League of Their Own, where it's just like oh, yeah. constant annoying uh, slightedness. Where it's like, okay, at some point you gotta learn and not be so annoying. Yeah, but because he does something, he gets a duck. Yeah, and he <laughs> makes the duck drink alcohol, and then I lose any shred of sympathy I had for him, and oh, then no. I fucking hate him again. That yes. only made me. That was the only thing that he did that's ever made me like him. Oh, yeah, he's, he's getting the duck. Well, yeah. before that, what made me kind of stop feeling bad for him was in the very same scene where Nikki, you know, sarcastically calls him a badass. Uh, he then takes a call. Nikki takes a call from like the Greek and he's like, he's clearly, he's doing business, you know? And you can see fucking Ziggy is just like, make mention me. <laughs> like, <Right. laughs> please let me join. <laughs> and, uh, and then Nikki, he's like who, every Nepo baby though. It's like, just enjoy being rich for doing nothing. Why do you have yes. to always be involved? Like, just calm down. Yeah, yeah, so Nikki gives him a bunch of money and then Ziggy just throws it out of a window. Yeah, I gotta see you soon. Is that the man? You don't have to concern yourself. I wanna with meet that. him. Let me handle the business. I mean you're getting paid, right? Fuck you. I'll play the game for myself. Take the money, Zig. Oh, you don't think I can do it? Pick up the fucking money, Ziggy. Fuck you. And that at that moment, I was like, "Oh right, I I I I hate you, Zig. I right. I don't understand you. I don't understand. I like. I mean, it's like I do understand because, like, for him being the son of the guy who runs the docks, he's like never, I think, ever been financially. He's never felt financially insecure. I think his father has always, you know, projected an air of like." I, I run this place. Don't worry. I got this. Look at all the people who I give money to. Like Ziggy is always feels financially fine. Well, even yeah, when you not. see it in the scene between uh, Frank Sabatka and his brother. Like they're yeah. like, they don't like they're secure in that way where they've just lived there forever. And like, if you, I don't know, like they, they've done their shit long enough to where like, they don't really need that much money. Like they can actually just fucking live in a cheap row house and eat at diners and, and be okay. Right. Yeah. But, you know, it's, um, you know, for Ziggy, I think it's it's never been the money that he's been attracted to so much as being a kingpin or no, being just a boss. Being, yeah, being a, respected, a respected he human being. He wants to being. be respected, but yeah. he does things that are not respectable, like 
be a little piss baby throwing wads <laughs> of cash out the car. Yeah. He's That's not driven so by, yeah, embarrassing. He's, he's, he wants status in his little tribe, which I think is a very, you know, it's a relatable instinct, but he's like, he's done, he's done it, it with the wrong tribe, number one, but also yeah. uh, like at the expense of everything else in his life. If yeah. Frank sent the kid to acting school, he would have learned about status. 100%. He would have learned how to pretend Oh, to yeah. walk around if with anyone that. should have just like taken a groundlings 101 class it's fucking zig zig would at least at the at the very least he would like learn how to uh, uh like he would learn give and take he would learn not to be the center of every scene but sometimes he's the center of a scene like right the, the dude needed an improv class and he could then he could be annoying amongst his annoying peers yeah you know right uh, i will say the scene between Frank and his brother, I don't remember what the brother's name was. You know that labor position on the Port Advisory Board that one I was telling you about? I put you up for it. You're on. How come I'm on? The board chair and me, we got a relationship. You mean you greased it? When I get home at night, I just want to watch a ball game or something. <laughs> I'm not up to go to no meetings or anything. Christ, Lou, you don't, you don't got to go to all the meetings. You show up once in a while, let them know your life. That's not for me. What's for you? That shit wagon parked out front needs a battery? Or this kitchen here been rigged the same way for 25 years? Whatever I got, come straight. <sighs> That's real noble, big brother. Not noble, right. <sighs> the shipbuilder's local goes belly up, that makes you some kind of martyr? Hell, the only difference between me and you is you picked the wrong union. That ain't the only difference. If you were in my position... I'm not. And I tell you the truth, I'm glad I don't have to make those kind of choices. Come on, kid. Sit down. Uh, yeah. It really confirmed my opinion that the reason The Wire Season 2 is not more respected. I really do think it comes down to the fact that Nikki and Ziggy are not as good of actors as the rest of the people on the show. Like, in mm. that scene, you're like... Oh, it's not that I don't like care about the docs or their drama. It's that Nikki and Ziggy in particular are like the weakest actors on the show. Yeah. I don't see that. Uh, for me, it's not been about, oh, their acting is bad. It's that the characters it themselves. Is, though. <laughs> <laughs> it is. We disagree here. I don't think I, I only see them as their characters. I don't see them as acting their characters. And for me, it's just about the that this particular brand of uh you know early 2000s white boy is kind of annoying sure but, yeah they're not that likable there yeah. isn't that many i don't find their stories as compelling as i do the stories of some of the other characters who may do technically more despicable things throughout right. the series but there's something that's just so get out of here yeah but yeah, yeah like, but that's what i'm saying like aj soprano also annoying uh, but he's annoying, but he's good. Like he's good at being annoying. Fucking Ralphie yeah. is that same kind of wild card, but he's really good at it. And like Nikki and Ziggy, ah, I don't, they're but here's, just not. Here's they're frustrating. Thing. Yeah. They are frustrating, but here's the thing. Then there are scenes like the scene where Ziggy buys the duck, which I yeah. love. Ziggy because... has his moments as an actor, I will say. 
he yeah and I, for me it's not it's it's just like he has his moments as uh the character has these great little you get these little insights into the world that he grew up in and the world that he currently lives in and then what he he wants to make the world into because he goes over to this guy mr diz who is a <laughs> bird dealer <laughs> just your just your local bird guy yeah yeah and uh, and is they're shooting the shit about like, oh, is it true that you and you and my my peepaw used to to race pigeons or some, some <laughs> fucking weird latchkey bullshit? Yeah. And he's like, oh yeah, yeah, your father, we used to race pigeons, uh, and then we'd get drunk, and it's like, cool story. Uh, <laughs> you really used to race pigeons with my peepaw? We all did back then. I give one to a seaman on a Dutch tanker one time. He set her loose in the middle of the ocean. Damn if she didn't find her way back to Hull Street. Which, by the way, is more than I can say about your grandfather when he was in the bag. <laughs> but then he um, he buys a duck, and at this point I'm like, oh, this is... Um, I remember when I first watched it, I assumed it was... He's going to do something to Maui, like it's going to be some sort of duck-related prank or something. But it's not. He then shows up to the bar... The bar With is his... the only place where Ziggy is like actually. That's true. People enjoy him. He's like respected at the bar because he. Because they're drunk enough, they want to see <laughs> his antics. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's a good guy to have at the bar. Like he's buying drinks. Right. He's got a duck. Like he's a conversation piece. <laughs> and like is, that's what you want at a bar is you want someone to something to talk about because otherwise. But those, the duck yeah. is just another external thing that Ziggy thinks is going to fix him, and he thinks this duck. This is it. This is my ticket. I mean, is... the duck was a fucking hit at the bar. It yeah, was. I have, it I have worked a... for a couple episodes. I have a, a clip. I say, look at this. Dolo? Dolores, is that you? I like you to meet my... So first he shows up, by the way. It's, there's so much going on. There's so much going on. He shows up with the duck and blind glasses and he's at first it's a seeing eye duck, which is like, OK, I guess that's a bit. And then he pivots the bit and the duck becomes his lawyer. Now, I may not be able to see through all the bullshit in here, but he can. So if you will, I'd like a stiff one for myself and one for my counselor. Tell me it's a fake. Well, that'd be lying, huh? It's a real diamonds around its neck. You sick, boy. You just sick. Like I'm the only guy in South Balmer that ever tried to win the affections of a farm Killing it. Crushing with the duck bit. Yep. Yeah. And I think for me... This is a moment where I am like, oh, Ziggy and I are the same. Because if there's one yeah. thing I love, it's a bit that is like high effort, low accessibility. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? We had like, a pot belly pig in college. Oh, yeah? What? Yeah. You did? As yeah. a bit? I mean, wow. I think anybody that gets a pot belly pig, it's going to be partially as a bit. <laughs> Right. It's true. What if you're that, that, there's animals out there that their whole lives are like, uh, if someone might adopt me if someone is feeling funny enough, <laughs> you know, like a someone, ferret. Yeah, like yeah. a ferret. But like uh, him showing up just to do this bit, and he didn't just do. It's like he got a duck. He put a diamond necklace on the duck. He's feeding the duck drinks, and he's just doing zingers. 
And uh, and for me, I, I appreciate it. As mm-hmm. someone who writes parody songs of every episode of a TV show, I get it. It's I get the first it, it, relatable thing he's done on this damn show. The duck is like his ratatouille. Yes. yeah. (laughs) The duck is controlling everything. It's controlling him to be a slightly likable person. Yes. Yes. He is. He's, he's likable by association with the duck. Um, and also, uh, some trivia, uh, Ziggy, when he shows up with the duck lawyer, um, he names it Stephen L. Miles. And did you guys know Stephen L. Miles is a very particular Baltimore TV lawyer. Oh. Who um, who was popular in like the eighties? Oh, I thought you were gonna say he was like one of the creators of Homicide or something, but uh, no, no, yeah, that's this cool is too. His, this is his ad. Okay, that's cute. Yeah. She's she's got great pipes. She she's really got great pipes. <laughs> but yeah, Stephen L. Miles. Let's talk about it. Uh, great ad, random pull, and uh, Baltimore lore. It has everything. Brent. Hey, what's up? <laughs> While you're playing ads, should we play some ads? Oh, let's play oh, some is ads, dude. Is it is it time for advertisements, is, is Brent Flyberg? Yeah, it's time for our own personal uh, lawyer ads. Hopefully. All right. Time for ads. So uh, please listen to these ads. Um, hopefully there'll be some, you know, some personal injury lawyers advertising on our podcast. Um, or it'll be like a, a drink delivery business. One or, one or the other. And stick around. We'll be right back. Everyone good? And Anyone we're need- back. Okay. <laughs> Anyone need to take a shit? Mm. Nope. Nope. Fuck good. yeah. Hey everyone, Matt Lieb here with an annoying mid-roll ad that I'm going to be playing until March 17th. Why March 17th, you ask? Well, (laughs) because I'm going to be co-headlining the Sacramento Punchline on Sunday, March 17th at 7 p.m. with my wife, Francesca Fiorentini. I would love it if you all bought your tickets to it. It's going to be really fun. Um, You helped us sell out uh, when we co-headlined the San Francisco Punchline, and now I'm asking for you to... Do it again. That's right. If you're in the Sacramento area or somewhere nearby, um, come to the Sacramento Punchline Sunday, March 17th, 7 p.m. It's going to be so much fun. I'm going to be there. Francesca's going to be there. Uh, Someone else is going to open for us. I don't know who, but someone probably pretty funny. You're going to have a great time, and you can get your tickets right now by either clicking the link uh, that's in the show notes or going to punchlinesack.com and uh, buying your tickets. Do it. And if you can't go, hey, maybe you have friends who are in the area and you you know, you can tell them like, hey, you like comedy. Come see this guy who does a podcast and his wife who also does a podcast. It'll be great. So yes, please come Sacramento Punchline, March 17th. That's a Sunday at 7 p.m. Come, enjoy, laugh, love. All right. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And we're back. Okay. Hope you enjoyed those ads. So, moving on from uh, poor Ziggy. Um, let's get into uh, what's going on with Jimmy in this episode. Yeah, we, Jimmy got, is... we got boobs in the cold open, you guys. I know. Amazing. Yeah. Hey, pal. It's all right. It's all right. One more, please. Save some for the rest of the customers, okay, Jimmy? Pour it. You ain't getting behind the wheel, are you? There's a cab picking me up. I'm looking you in the eye, Gus. I'm telling you, I'm not driving a car tonight. Finally, dudes are rocking again. I'm looking you in the eyes, Gus. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not getting behind the wheel. And then he immediately is just like singing the pogues. I love this cold open because like there's something about when uh when Dominic West is playing drunk, like it gets harder for him to hide his accent. Like he yes. like he completely forgets that he's supposed to be playing an American guy whenever he's drunk. And I don't know why, I don't know why, but that's really funny to me. He plays such a great drunk. He nails drunk. <laughs> he yeah. really does. Oh, yeah. And you're right. He nails it so hard. He may, might actually be drunk. I think he's, he's drunk. losing his American accent. I think he's drunk. I, I It's the only thing I, I, that I can. It's all, because how does he do it so perfectly? It's because yeah. it, it's not just that he's, you know, doing the, you know, like uh, it's it's not that he's doing a cartoonish thing. It's also that he looks sweaty. He's doing yeah. the sweaty drunk, the smelly drunk. Yeah. And he and and he, they down to the red face. And this is a show where I don't think like I mean, 
I don't think there was much of a makeup department on the show. I'm just going to put it out there. <laughs> I think there were like, let's, we're going for verisimilitude. Let's not have people too made up. I have to point out uh, at one point, I think it was the last episode. I don't know if it was this episode, but Jimmy walked into a scene and I was like, I love that he always looks like he just woke up. He always got, has bed yes. head. And my yeah, wife yes. said, I don't yeah. know, I think his hair looks a lot like yours. And I was like, oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> it kind of No, does. it's true though, dog. <laughs> It's true. You guys both have the same look of like you nap a lot and yeah. you always Which are is when true, you're awake. I know. Mm -hmm. Um but yeah, no. Do like I think he's drunk because the, the wire I don't think they have makeup people that are so, that good. My question is, so Jimmy, he's he's getting drinks from Gus. He's clearly mm -hmm. spiraling. Gets in his car. He pipes in the the pogues, which uh, Jimmy loves, but I think David Simon actually loves because they come up right. later in the show. Um, he he sideswipes, uh, sideswipes the, like a, a column, uh, yeah, a column, and then he backs up, and you're like, what is he doing? Was he just trying to make that turn to prove to himself that he could make the turn? What was he? What was his purpose in uh, going back and then doing that turn over again and and hitting the column again? I thought he was so drunk mad at the column that he said, fuck you, column. Mm. And he just purposefully ran into it again. Yeah, I can see that. I think that this is based on nothing. Uh, he's trying to make it look like he got sideswiped rather than uh, a, like mm. a head-on collision okay. with ah. uh, a thing so that he can get the insurance um, to pay out for it. Yeah. Um, column uh, just came out of nowhere. Column was speeding. Yeah, no, I mean, that column is driving recklessly. So he's um, still thinking like a cop. I think he's still thinking like a cop. Even and when he, he's that drunk. Yes, he knows that, like, his insurance won't cover him clearly being, you know, hit from the side from some, like, I don't know. That's my guess. I have no clue. I like the idea that he was just like, you know what? Fuck this column and fuck my car. Let's let's make this a rock bottom night, baby. Um, mm -hmm. and he almost does. Um, but then of course he gets bailed out of a rock bottom night by a, um, just a nice waitress, a beautiful waitress who is just there to just to fuck the drunkest man she's ever seen. What's with the hand? This is a scratch. Give me some eggs, will you? I guess scrap with that. You can get anything you want. And you know what? He did look pretty hot in that diner. Yeah. He yeah. Did. Jimmy's the kind of functional alcoholic that can keep going for decades. <laughs> yes. Like that. You yes. know, he's this, he's the, like, the, I like that the wire portrays various types of alcoholism yeah. on this show like there's jimmy who's like your classic functional alcoholic who still has a respectable job but yeah. his his personal life is in shambles and even mm -hmm. like external things are in shambles like wrecking his car mm -hmm. um and but he still nails the hot chick at the end of the night and he yeah. still makes it to work in the morning yeah yeah that wake-up scene is so good where he wakes up and he looks He's got blood. He's he's in bed with a girl, and he has blood all over his sheets from from his hand. Like yeah. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's him waking up, being alive again, and he's just like ugh. Like there's <laughs> there's this like 
death drive that Jimmy has that I find to be super relatable, especially when you're uh, like in your active alcoholism, when you're just when every time you wake up and you just look around at the wreckage and you go like, fuck, I have to deal with consequences. <laughs> like, <laughs> right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. You're just like, God damn it. Why not forever sleep? Um, yeah, no, but you know, he's dudes rocking and I love, I love, you know, Jimmy like hitting, hitting this bottom in this episode because you've, you've, you've seen him kind of like struggling throughout this entire season to like find purpose. You know, he's trying to find the names of the, the name of the, the floater. He's trying to fuck over his bosses by just, you know, giving them 14 dead Jane Doe's to deal with. And you find that like spite only takes you so far like there's only mm -hmm. so much that motivates he, you before he came you're just so like close to accepting himself in this episode like he almost realized that uh he is only good at his job and being a drunken rascal and that's okay but yeah uh, but then belatedly he's like he gets all wanting to have a family yeah he gets all he, right you know the irish they get all uh they, they get, get all they emotional. get all rom romantic jesus doesn't like it when you fuck a waitress um <laughs> I have a, a clip of uh, Jimmy and Bunk. They got every swinging dick with a shield on that detail but me. Jealous bitch. <laughs> I'd rather be back in homicide. Like sound they just put in there Take for your no place reason. in a heartbeat. <sighs> I mean, who am I, Captain Chesapeake? I need to get off that boat, Bunk. I need to do a case. I mean, if I'm not gonna... If I'm no good for... Sorry, that was a dude's rock moment, I realized. Yeah. Uh, and I put that in there. Um, one, okay, so aside from the duck, I know I'm getting a little ahead, but when they're, the detail, they're going over, like, who they can find to, uh, you know, convincingly be a guy who's trying to hire a prostitute. And then yeah. Jimmy just walks in the door and they all look at him. I feel like that might be the funniest moment on uh, the entire series of The Wire. Absolutely. Like, d that is one of my favorite moments because not only uh is it like this like jimmy's back moment but it's also he does his catchphrase <laughs> yeah <laughs> like oh i i have that scene which means to get someone in there undercover to make the case i'd march into hell for you lieutenant you know that he doesn't look like you'd have to pay Kim. sorry no domestic issues at all same for me Nadine would have him in a jar by the side of the bed if she even heard tell of it. What? Takes a whore to catch a whore. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck did I do? Yeah, I no, think like it, it does this. It does that thing that we were talking about when we saw Funny Pages or whatever, where like mm -hmm. in the beginning of Funny Pages, you see all the caricatures of weird people, and then mm -hmm. you see a weird person, and you're imagining what the caricature of them is going to look right. like. It's like in this scene. In this scene, they're trying to like imagine what like a cop who would be good at pretending to be a John would look yes. like. And then Jimmy just bumbles into the room and you're like, oh yeah, exactly like that. Yeah, it's that's like, who I was thinking of. Yeah, it's that's inviting the... you to paint this picture in your mind, which I love. Yeah, I love Jimmy not being, they're, they're like, well, he's not, he's not hot enough to be like, nah, he wouldn't be paying for it. But he's also like just 
sad looking enough that they're like he would totally pay for it you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah it's perfect um and it's it's a nice like welcome back to to jimmy because uh you know after the bunk and uh jimmy scene i feel like bunk has one of my favorite moments in the episode in which she's trying to explain to daniel's like the thing of it is lieutenant that is jimmy mcnulty when he ain't policing He's a picture postcard of a drunken, self-destructive fuck-up. And when he is policing, it's pretty much the same motherfucker, but on a good case. <laughs> Just like, he's, he's like, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna quibble here. He's still a piece of shit, even when he is working. <laughs> but uh, he's good at it. Yeah. Which, I mean, yeah, he's the alcoholic where if he were to get sober, people would be nervous. Yeah. Yeah. Because maybe he wouldn't be a good cop anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And that's almost exactly what ends up happening in uh, in later seasons. Right. Is is, uh, Jimmy kind of cleaning up in later seasons and everyone just being like, what's happening here? Is this fake? Yeah. (laughs) They're like, is this... uh, is he trying to fuck me? Why is <laughs> yeah? Yeah. What's the outlet for his rascalry? Because I don't know, man. I feel like yeah. I'm gonna wake up and all of my socks are gonna be gone or something. <laughs> <laughs> he's replacing it with something. I don't know yeah. what it is. If he's not drinking, he's 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 putting his dick in weird places. Um. But I also love the scene where like where uh, Daniels asks Rawls, "You ever see how a dog gets when he smells a bone buried out in the yard?" Yeah. And I seen one take a shit on my carpet, too. The answer is no. When I agreed to take these murders for you, I made my terms clear. Remember? I need McNulty on this detail. Jesus, Lieutenant, when I said anything, I meant, uh, I'd let you have a kiss. Feel my tits or something, you know? But not this. You want me to clear those bodies? See that you do. I'm I'm fascinated by Daniels in this episode in particular because this episode really proves that he is kind of a fucking moron. Like there are multiple <laughs> moments in this in this episode like like early in the episode when they're talking about all the dirt they got on the you know the Docs gang. Daniel mm-hmm. says, "This case feels like a lot more than Frank Sabaka. Like it's a good thing." And it's right. like, "Idiot." Like you have one job, it's to get Frank Sabatka. Like that's yeah. why you took this detail. Like there is no yeah. other reason. But you are such a goddamn Boy Scout that you think being a policeman is about actually doing policing. And then this, yes. and then the scene with him and Rawls, and he he like he lays it out to Rawls. He's like, look. You want me to clear those bodies. And it's like, no, he fucking doesn't. He doesn't give a shit what you do with the bodies. He wanted to yeah. not have the bodies on his particular stat sheet. Like, he doesn't give a fuck what you do with the bodies as long as totally. you take them. Yeah. It was one thing that confused me about it. It was that, like, it, it, Rawls just ends up uh, agreeing to it because he was like, see that you do. See that you do clear the bodies. And I was like, well, him taking them means they're off your... I don't know. Maybe Rawls is... Um, well, Rawls, Rawls wants to get in trouble. Rawls is spiteful towards McNulty, but he's also a politician. Like he's a he's yes. a careerist first and foremost, and he realizes that like he doesn't necessarily get anything about out of continuing to fuck Jimmy. So right, and he might get something out of like Daniels being well. Like if they saw if they do solve that 
case if those go from red to black then that's huge for him politically like for his career right. i guess right well then so, then no he's i think it's more that if he does this it's sort of like daniel still owes him a little favor because i think mm. that's what drives like all these all the all the career cops daniels yeah burrell uh sorry not daniels but burrell rawls clay davis like their their entire business runs on people owing them favors so they're always yeah, trying sure. to yeah valchek like they're always trying to get into a, a situation where someone may owe them a little favor down the line and i and yeah. he, i think he suspects that daniels owing him a favor somewhere down the line is more valuable to him than the spite uh the spite adrenaline boost that he gets out of continuing to uh fuck over mcnulty yeah get him to that makes sense yeah <laughs> yeah he's like i'm no longer horny for watching jimmy on a little boat fine take him <laughs> yeah it's not fun anymore i mean it's he got what he wanted out of it let's be honest he put him on the boat yeah which is interesting because that means in this episode uh that both rawls and jimmy get kind of tired of like living for spite at the exact same time like jimmy is mm -hmm. now you know he has He's he's over the whole like I just pranked Rawls by dumping fourteen bodies on his ass, and Rawls is over the you know I pranked Jimmy by making him ride a boat forever. So it you could look at it as emotional growth if you didn't know that these characters are irreversibly flawed pieces. I think for Jimmy it's more like a hangover <laughs> moment of self doubt where like you have that where you wake up hungover and you start doubting like everything you've ever done. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, no, you could be right. Um, but yeah, Jimmy's back and he's ready to fuck. Um, <laughs> and uh, they are uh, at this point looking at the possible, probable cat house that's happening out of a hotel. They pull over a John and, uh, you know, they, they get the, the contact, the phone number of the madam, you know, and the secret code word and shit. And then they let him go, which for me, I was like watching that scene and I was like, number one, dudes rock. Number two, this has got to be the most relieved that this guy has ever been in his goddamn life. Like to be pulled over by cops right after getting out of a, like a, a, a cat house, it's like a high class fucking because you know he has a family mm -hmm. you know yeah. that this is not fucking uh that he's like this would ruin his life if this was law and order this scene would have gone differently this scene totally. would have ended with the cops with ice tea and stabler being like yeah we won't tell your wife as long as you just give us this number but they right. would have secretly been speakerphone on the phone with his wife the yeah. whole time and then they would have been like sorry chump Sorry, you thought you was on the down low. You <laughs> this is me, Ice T. What's up, bitch? <laughs> that is that's my Ice T impression. Hey, what's up, bitch? <laughs> you on the down low? You sucking dick? Is that what he sounds like? Yeah, that's Kill exactly. Cops, bitch. That's exactly his character. Suffering, sucker tap, motherfucker. <laughs> this fog is as thick as pea soup, bitch. <laughs> What? Why is he talking about fog? <laughs> it is pea soup. Is he, is he like a cool weatherman? No. no this is, at this point, I think I'm just doing a, a Looney Tunes guy. There's a yeah. little pressure system coming over the the Rocky Mountains yeah. this weekend. Yeah. There's going to be light thunderstorms, bitch. <laughs> Ice tea. This is a fun thing. 
This is a new guy. I've not done this guy. This is my iced tea impression. This is going great. Oh, uh, anyways. Yeah, you're right. Part completely. of your bits is when they fracture a little bit and just go someplace mm-hmm. weird. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Ice well, tea's I, talking I, about the weather for some reason. Eventually, I forget where I started, and then uh, you know, my brain. So uh, yeah, I completely agree. If this was any other show, uh, if this was Law and Order, yeah, the 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 John would have been in trouble. And I I do love that. You know, and this is something that McNulty has done a few times where like every, you know, anytime someone is like thrown drugs away near him, he's like, I don't care. I'm not. That's not my job. He's not after that. He's not he, after he that. He doesn't have time for that small potato shit. Yes, exactly. And uh, and yeah, just, you know, I don't know. I was like, you know, bros, bros before hoes, dog. Thank <laughs> you for letting him go. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Thank Fuck you, Jimmy. You. Yeah. You're on damn low. Ice tea. Weather. Okay, I'm done. Um, uh, and then uh, Jimmy's storyline kind of ends with uh, Jimmy and Beattie going on a little date together and kind of, um, kind of, I don't know, there's like energy, sexual tension there. Yeah. Yeah. You think Beattie was pissed at that? Because she's like, dude, I brought you over to this house for one thing and one thing only. Like, I- you're McNulty. Like. Yeah, you're McNulty. Literally, your job is to have sex with anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, n- I I don't know because the I thought I remembered it being like that when I watched it, but then when upon rewatch, when Jimmy says, uh, you know, l- long day," BD says, "Yeah, me too," and and she says it convincingly to a point where I do think that she was like, "Yeah, I, I'm kind of not. I don't want to." do this right now i think she didn't want to have sex i think she was tired but she felt a little bit like eh, if it goes that direction then cool if not mm-hmm. yeah i'm good I think either she way. wanted to have the option still yeah yeah, yeah. i think she wanted i th- i think she would have made her feel good to at least have had th- that option she might have mm. regretted it she probably oh, would have regretted definitely. it <laughs> <laughs> but the picture definition the of regrettable sex is Jimmy McNulty. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit of an ego hit when the guy who's like normal persona is like he smells the pussy like it's a pie cooling on a windowsill. And he, yes. just, like, yes. he just sort of floats along the scent trail like a cartoon and bear. And you're the one broad who he says no to, that's got to yeah. hurt a little bit. Yeah. yeah, I just got rejected by the fuck monster. What happened? <laughs> right. Yeah, come on, man. Yeah, just the a literal fuck machine. Did I not is like, waft it I'm right? Tired. <laughs> no, but uh, you know, I think in that moment where he's like going around, he's looking at pictures of like her kids at a swim meet. He he's like hearing like toys in the background. For him, I think it was a little bit of like, ah, she's human. You know what I mean? No, like, it's I think mm, it's not like too much. I think he is like he's like the Superman of uh of of no strings attached sex and like Mm. kids being involved is like his kryptonite because he can't think of he can't think of sex and family like in the same sphere Mm. they always need to be like separate yeah yeah and i I like that he calls the cat house while he's hanging out with her and (laughs) he's learning about like his family and stuff uh, about her family and he, he calls just to at first you're like oh this is um you know because this is to at some point do the sting or whatever. But then part of me is like, no, I think he's gonna have actually fucked him first. <laughs> I think he's gonna go there just to have sex and then do a sting. Um, but uh, we shall see. Um, but 
Jimmy leaves. He decides not to have sex. And uh, what a good guy. Yeah, character yeah. growth. Not yeah. really, but you know. No. It's Jimmy. Yeah. Um, the fuck boy has become a fuck man. <laughs> this is... <laughs> This is bar mitzvah. He thinks he thinks personally. Wow, this is big of me. This is very adult of yeah. me. Yes, yeah. He thinks that. He thinks Not he's so. a, he's a big grown up. Um, he's like, but he's you, no more. When you think about possibly uh, doing volunteer work. Oh, right, hundred percent. Right. Yeah, he's getting rid of guinea worm. He's building houses in Honduras. <laughs> you know, that's next for after declining sex one time ever. Um, <laughs> But uh, you know what? Um, I think he would have enjoyed being a part. Of, and this is a terrible transition. We're talking about Frank, and uh, in the the episode with um, you know with regards to Frank and the Greeks and what's going on there, um, one of my favorite moments is um, Horse uh, looking at a porno mag and asking <laughs> the important questions. Let me ask you something important. You like fake tits? I can't decide. Thus far, I'm undecided on fake tits. Coming out like a straight fucking Curb Your Enthusiasm character. <laughs> I love horse. Everyone's always looking at porn yeah. on the show. There's that cop who's always reading. Yeah, and they're always, It's always the obscure mm-hmm. porno mags, too. Yeah. You know, it's funny because like the show, uh, especially in season five, it's kind of about the death of like print journalism, but it's also a little bit about the death of print porn journalism. Um, mm. And these are like the last, you know, bastions of like, you know, people are not buying these porno mags in print anymore. And it's uh, it's really a shame because, um, you know, where are you going to get your news where you, right? <laughs> you're gonna find a bunch of porn in the woods yeah exactly now you go in the woods you're not seeing any porn what are you gonna masturbate to with your friends <laughs> i've never done that by the way and i feel like i missed out on a like a moment where i did oh, i was a I little too did, young no, there's one, one time that we found a playboy in the woods but we were like mm-hmm. a little too young to like jack off to it together so we peed on it what what mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we peed. We peed on like the playboy. Like all together that, in a circle. Well, there's like two or there's only like two of us, three of us. Was it? <laughs> why did you? But did you pee on it? Like, would you have peed on anything, or was it because it was poor? And you're like, I know you're supposed I to think, do something yeah. dick related to this. I think it was that. I think it was that. <laughs> I love that. We That's peed great. on it. <laughs> no, I I realize I I have jo'd with friends. <laughs> my friends before when I was young, what I haven't done was go because we didn't have any woods. So I never found porn in the woods mm-hmm. and yeah. I feel like I missed out on like a childhood for real. I never found porn in the woods, but just kids from our generation, you hear about them finding porn in the woods. Yeah. They had woods nearby. There would be porn there. Like it sounded like a magical place. It seemed like the woods was about finding porn when mm-hmm. you were a kid. Mm-hmm. And it's all across the nation, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just like, oh, these this one patch of woods in Kansas. Yeah, well, they have woods think, there. If you grew up in I Phoenix, do you just like find it behind like a saguaro cactus or what do you? Yes. Yeah. 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 If you grow up, uh, you know, in like some flat plain area, it's like finding you find, you know, porn in a cornfield maybe or. Whatever just, your topography is. Whatever your topography is, there's going to be porn. It. 
Yeah, but it's unfortunate because it's like if you're in a city, it's like the only place you find porn is like your dad's closet. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's uh, it's a better I feel place. deprived of yeah. a childhood. Well. You, you know what I'm saying, Snoop? Yeah. Okay, thank <laughs> you. Um, so uh, Frank is discovering that uh, things are not adding up. He's starting to get suspicious that shit is uh, going down somehow. Um, he's putting the pieces together. Uh, at one point, he calls the phone company, and uh, the phone company tells him that even though he has not paid his bill in three months, they, his account has been flagged and uh, to not shut off service, which kind of kind of like... Uh, crazy that the phone person on the other end would have that information it seems like it would uh if you were like the police you'd be like well don't Don't don't, say it don't Don't say all that just say well well you know i mean it makes sense that someone at the phone company wouldn't like fully understand I mean, I feel like this has only gotten worse in the last 20 years is that we're all every customer service person is just some other person somewhere else also trying to use the same shitty software. Oh, my God. So <laughs> fucking true. It is. Oh, God. You're just reminding me of me being on hold with the uh, fucking insurance company. And then they get you and they're like, well, I tried to press the button, too, and it also doesn't work. So I don't know what you should do. And you're like, well, that's yeah. why I called you. Uh, like, I, I fucking had to, like, tell the insurance people, my insurance is active, but you keep saying it's inactive. They're like, OK, I can set it to active again, but it's going to take 24 hours. And I was like, can I call you back in 24 hours to see if it works? And they're like. No, I'm impossible to reach. And I was just, <laughs> yeah. just like, well, certainly you're sitting at a desk somewhere. And it's like, yeah, but they, we don't have a phone number. And it's like, are you in prison? Kind of. <laughs> it is a type of prison. Um, anyways. This lady service. blew it, though. This lady did blow it. and she, um, she, blew, she blew it. She blew it. And uh, Frank is a little suspicious. He gets even more suspicious when he talks to some cops who also blow it. And it's like, hey, you know, uh, when's where's B.D. Russell at? And like she's uh, she's not she's working some case, you know, some something with the city, something about you guys, <clears throat> something bad. Yeah. Run! So she's not going to suck my dick. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it really is sad. just th- that in that moment, I, I felt bad for Frank because Frank is, um, you know, he's doing crimes and stuff. But also like Beatty was there was like a little bit of l- like sort of like there a was Jimmy a little flirting, a yeah, little flirtiness, you know? Yeah. And I, yeah. you know that she was the only one him, on this force doing community policing. Yeah, I know. She was the only one who I would consider a good police person mm-hmm. in that she uh, didn't seem to do any, like, shootings of unarmed people. And, right. um, yeah, she knew her just, beat. She talked yeah. to the people. She talked to the she people. She had a good relationship and, with them. Yeah, she was the only good cop. Um, but, uh, yeah, so then Frank, uh, we see the whole scene where, like, you know, the detail is on them. They're, like, they're they're looking at all the, you know, fucking cans getting stolen and stuff. And Frank decides to switch them. And uh, Frank pretty much figures it all out. But what he doesn't realize is that uh, uh, Sergey's phone is tapped. And we are able to hear them for the first like they time. they could have done a little more work on Sergey's last name. Like Sergey Molotov, really? That's what you're going yeah. with? Yeah. Come on, man. 
Sergey Molotov felt like uh, they gave up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. they're like, ah, I don't know. Yeah. That was in the first draft, and they never changed it. They never changed it. You know, like, let's like, see, uh, Sir, Sergei Poroshki, uh, uh, Sergei Kalashnikov, Putin, Vladimir Ilyich, Sergei, Ukrainian. But yeah, what I do love is that when they deliver the wrong can to Double G, the you know the 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 Greek guy who runs the electronics store, he opens it up and it's filled with Bobby doll. And he says Bobby dolls. Yeah, yeah. Bobby dolls. I love. I also I just love Bobby doll as like the dummy fucking brand name that they're like. Well, we're not gonna get a Barbie doll brand in here. We can't. Yeah. You know, they're going to have to pay us for this kind of promotion. So they have Bobby Doll. Is Bobby Doll real? No. I Did didn't th think mm. that was just because Mattel would get really mad. Yes, mm. I assume so. What is that? I like to think that Bobby Doll is just like Barbie, but uh, titties bigger. Bigger tits. <laughs> bigger titty Bobby yeah. Doll. It's a Bobby Doll. The Bobby Bob Bob Doll. Um, anyways, call Vondis. They have that tapped. Uh, Frank tells Nikki to go to the diner um, and they have a meeting with the Greeks. We finally see Frank and the Greeks sit down together. Um, and it's it's a great scene for a couple of reasons. One, because I really love how uh, understated the, the actor who plays the Greek is. I just think he's like, he's got the, he's, it's hard to make for me. It's hard to make an old man scary. Um, yeah. But he does a good scary old man kind of like vibe but um, when an old man is scary on mm -hmm. a prestige drama they're really fucking scary yeah yeah and and it, usually it's like if the if, if we're talking scary old men like i watch you know we all watch the sopranos and i felt like no one on that show was necessarily supposed to be all that scary it was like mostly funny but i felt like uh even if they tried to be like i was never scared of feech lamana right you know i was yeah. never scared of phil leotardo um but there's something about the greek where i'm just like oof this guy's a fucking sociopath and you can you can tell um yeah he's a little too calm he's a little too calm uh and what i what i really loved was uh there's a parallel between what's going on with uh bodhi and what's going on with uh, Frank and the Greek in this episode. So Bodhi, this entire episode between Bodhi is just him realizing they're getting squeezed out mm -hmm. and uh, trying to fight for this corner. That He's they trying to lost. do the same analysis that Stringer is doing, but without the benefit of uh, two semesters of community college economics classes. Right. He's uh, he's has two semesters on the street of... Uh, of hard knocks. Mm -hmm. Is that a the street the school? Uh, he he's got two. Uh, give me a second. He's got uh, an uh, AA uh, degree. He's got, oh, <laughs> he's got a a double A uh, associates from the school of hard knocks. There you go. You got it. We we got there. Yeah. Yeah. So um, <laughs> then uh, there's a point at which while you know Bodie is doing this, um, yeah, uh, he's has to fire his corner boys and uh you know his corner boys are like well can we get some severance pay and he's just like in this economy <laughs> um and i kind of like i look at that as contrasted to what's going on with the greek and um and frank because 
they actually are able to get severance pay. They're able to get paid for uh, for not working. And yeah, uh, they, I, I they, they a got a holding deal. Man, look, I feel you, but uh, I still got to let you go, so. Well, at least we can do some of that separation pay, all right? Well, man, you better go on before I lose my composure out this bitch. But it has to be the same for everyone. No work, no pay. Doesn't matter what's in the cans, we still got to check them through. That's work, isn't it? We take gas, so you. You don't understand. I understand completely. No one is in this for love. It ain't just the money. I got things happening right now. Things with my union. Right now. Not a fucking month from now. When the legislative session is history. It's now. Okay. We pay you still. I'm thinking of all the business we do in the future. I see why Frank runs the docks, and I see why I want to be in a union. And you see why that's the he's, kind of yeah. leadership that a union boss gives you. But you Someone also see why you, you also see why he's uh, Ziggy's dad because it's like he can't just like take the money and enjoy it. He's uh, no. he's got to be important to his his group. Like he's got to be he's got to be the man of the even yeah, in the conversation the with his brother earlier mm -hmm. where he's kind of talking about what he's been up to with his brother and sort of pumping himself up. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty sad scene. Yeah. I mean, in yeah. a lot of ways, but yeah. that was a detail that I noticed. Yeah. His brother's no. just like, I don't give what, why would I give a fuck about this? Why yeah, would I, I why would I be stoked about that? I feel like that is the difference between uh, someone with my mindset and someone with the mindset of uh, like wanting to be a manager. Whereas like, yeah. if you right. ask me, it's like, Oh, do you want to, do this extra work so that you can have uh, the idea of authority. And I'm like, no, you lost me at extra work. Whereas like someone yeah. who really yeah. like has that fucking middle manager mindset is like, oh yes. Like number yeah. one, the thing that I want is authority. But you get to wear a different shirt. Yeah. <laughs> and people talk shit behind your back. It's great. Yeah. 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 No, it really is like, I think indicative of the type of person, at least with, uh, with Frank, where status is the one thing that you can hold on to in a world in which everything else is like kind of falling apart around you. Wages are stagnant. There's less ships coming in. Uh, fucking shit is bad. You're losing membership, uh, union membership. It like, but you still have some control over some weird board seat of people that where it's he's essentially offering his brother a no-show job. They say, just show up every once in a while um, and tell people I'm the boss and then leave. Yeah. And it's like, no, I don't want to do that. Why yeah, would I, I do that? I'd rather fucking fake bet on horses. Right, right. But what I love, though, is that like Frank is actually able to get the Greek to agree to, uh, you know, continue paying them even though they're not going to be working and because he has leverage he's like well what are you going to do not right. use the fucking port of baltimore and uh that's that alone makes me just like fuck i want i just want to be a union guy i just want to be in a i just want to be i just want all my friends to protect <laughs> each other you know and we all help each other money you know you guys good <laughs> We're good. <laughs> I'm fine. I was just I'm enjoying it. Just waiting to see where you went with that. I don't know where I go. I'm just sad because, you know, unions seem like, a, you know, everyone protect each other money. Yeah, no, that'd be great. But I, yeah, I also feel like that was that was back in the day where like 
he has a job where they couldn't they just they couldn't just fire the entire union whereas i feel like now a lot of the a lot of unions people are just like no we're just gonna fire all of you we don't give a shit yeah yeah now they can just do do that yeah america sucks now (laughs) (laughs) i want to like make america great again but Mm. not in that way right yeah 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 yeah. like make, make america good for once for once that's it i'm running for i'm running for president you guys um (laughs) and yeah so that's that's the episode that's basically what happens um are there anything i missed um is there a favorite or least favorite anything there's so many good like i was just trying to recount why i think this is a top 10 episode and i think you got the duck you got the moment where they're looking around for a guy who looks like a, who we would pay for sex and McNulty walks in. Yeah. Uh, and then we didn't, we didn't talk about it, but there's also fuzzy Dunlop, which is another yes. one. Like, oh, yes. wait a minute. We didn't talk about this. Yes. That's what we missed. <laughs> Look, yes. these two morons yes. are some of my favorite comedic relief throughout the entire show. Yeah, and absolutely. The, the tennis ball fuzzy Dunlop bit is just like, <laughs> It's so perfect because it's just they are the prototypical idiot cops who yes. think they're very, very smart and they're mm-hmm. very confident in their intelligence. And they keep why am I not in more of a position of authority when yeah, I have such amazing ideas? I got so many smart ideas, I man. So many ideas. I got so many smart ideas. Like, well, what if we? Uh, what if, what we, if we put in a tennis ball? Yeah, we uh, we would do we'd do a bug in a tennis ball, and then we pretend it's a CI, and then we collect a hundred fifty dollars. <laughs> this is the dumbest grift in the world. I like in the previous episode where Herc and Carve buy the bug and it gets right. smashed, and um, they they realized that they actually did get some good info from it um, in that they were able to like follow Nikki and Nikki is a target. He's a Sabatka. There's a moment where Herc kind of goes like, I'm sorry, are you not out uh, $1,250? And I'm thinking to myself, I was like, what is, what does the money have to do with any of it? Like how does, it's not that you get paid more for, you know, finding a connection in your drug case. This episode answers that question. Right. They're getting paid by faking a CI so they can get $150 (laughs) every time they get info from it, which is going to take forever. Yeah. (laughs) Like, in order to get enough money to pay it off, it's it's just so funny, dude. I love that. And I love Herc's cousin. I I have a a clip of of the scene where they're talking. So you're going to send my picture and your social security number. And they give me money, which you guys keep, and I don't get nothing. Hey, cuz, did you do anything to deserve the money? Huh? Did you? Yeah, we cracked the fucking case wide open. We brought back very significant information about a major drug trafficker. That's what we did. But that's your fucking job, right? You can pay the salary for that. Uh, no, you're upsetting my partner, man. What are you doing? I love that his little nephew just does not respect him. No, at all. It is so funny. He's like, like, I "I have to go to a Godsmack concert. Yeah, I don't want to do your little fucking tasks. Yeah, what do I get out of this? Is like his whole thing, (laughs) and and Herc is just like, 
you're lucky I'm even talking to you. And it's like, you know, he has all the leverage here. You're so bad at knowing what leverage is. <laughs> it's so funny. I just, and I, I love, like, he says the exact point, which is just, he's like, we, what did we do? Well, we, we found a connection to a major drug case. And he's like, yeah, that's what, your job though. That's right. what you get paid to do. And then they're like, you're hurting my partner's feelings. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's so good. Um, but yeah, that is uh, that is something that uh, is eventually we're going to see more and more of and see uh, what happens when you have a fake CI and whether or not uh, that is allowed. Mm. Uh, if I had to give this episode a letter grade, and I do, it's the law, um, I would probably give it a, yeah, I'd give it a B plus. Vince, what would you give this episode? Like I said, top 10 Wire episode of all time. Wire is probably the best show of all time, um, and therefore, uh, solid B+. Plus. Mm, yeah, okay. Yeah. Solid B+. Plus. And uh, Rachel Fisher, if you had to give this episode a letter grade, what would you give it? Well, considering it contains... A cold open that has stayed with me long after finishing the series. I'm going to give it a B plus. Oh, all right. Shocker. B plus is all around and a solid A plus episode of Pod Yourself the Wire. Rachel Fisher, thank you so much for coming on the pod and talking the wire with us. Thank you both for having me back on. It's Absolutely. always fun. Where, where can people find you? You can find my podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. It's called Hollywood Crime Scene. We talk oh. about L.A. history, old Hollywood scandals, nice. and more. Do you guys talk about the, the uh, Amber Heard and the, uh, Johnny Depp? <laughs> no, but we have a four-part episode on Bugsy Siegel. Mm. Oh, Bugs yeah. Bunny. Yeah, Bugs, it's Bugs Bunny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did, what did Bugs Bunny do? <laughs> <laughs> he like, was bad he, he was murdered. a naughty boy yeah, he dressed Three up like children. a woman that's true <laughs> that, that's illegal um i love Bug bugsy seagull he's like uh you know he's the guy who uh invented las vegas yeah yeah murder yeah. incorporated murder inc yeah i love yeah. it because it's like uh you know jews used to be so tough he's one of the tough jews of the <sighs> old days those are those are the best days. My now all Lindsay. Jews are Ziggy. I know. <laughs> I feel like we're all Ziggy now. What the hell happened to us? <laughs> I think that's why I don't like Ziggy is because it feels anti-Semitic. Yeah. <laughs> what happened to us? We used what to not to just be clowns. We used to be badass. <laughs> um, so listen to Hollywood Crime Scene wherever you get your podcast. Rachel Fisher, once again, thank you so much. Thank you. Fuck yeah. Patreon.com slash broadcast for all of the bonus episodes. The $8 tier gets you a shout out. We have three this week, Vince. Oh, shit. Um, I better the get first, my nickname and shoes on. Yeah. The first is uh, someone who finally someone messaged me and was like, I still haven't gotten mine. Thank you, because I knew there was someone, at least one, and there's probably more. But Mark Silverstein, sorry we're so late. Vince, give him a street name. Yeah, Mark Mark with a C. Like You thought I was going to go with Silverstein, but I'm focusing more on, I feel like Mark with a K, that's like a dude at the office, where it's like Mark with a C, he's like a, a Belgian uh, cyclist who's really into berets or something. Um, okay. Yeah, so I'm going to call this guy the C-Train. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. I like that. C-Train. Yeah. There's a lot of setup for it. Yeah, I don't know. No, I like it. It's good. Next is Michael Mattarelli. Mattarelli. Oh, boy. We, yeah, this guy. 
you know, what do you say about this guy? This is definitely a guy. Uh, I'm good. Yeah, we call this <laughs> we call this guy the mute button. Ooh, yeah. I like it. Yeah, because mute. Yeah. Yeah, mute. I, I mute the rally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and finally, uh, Jabari Davis. Hmm. What do you say? What do you say about Jabari Davis? Um, I don't believe this is... First of all, this isn't Jabari Davis from... I don't... There's two Jabari Davises. There's one who used to run comedy shows mm-hmm. in the Bay Area. And then there's another Jabari Davis who is a producer. He's like a podcast producer at, I think, iHeart. I don't know if it's either of them. Maybe it's that common of a name. I'm not sure. Um, but I'm gonna call this guy. I'm gonna call this guy Bringer because I don't know. I just remember Jabari Davis running Bringer shows. Uh, yeah, in case it's that Jabari Davis, but if it's the podcaster Jabari Davis, what's his name? Give oh, him I'd, another one. Oh shoot, I don't know. Uh, we call this guy Cans because he's always wearing those big Love headphones, it. you know. And that is your shout-outs for this week. If you want a shout-out or you still haven't gotten yours, go to patreon.com slash broadcast and sign up for the $8 tier. Broadcast at gmail.com for all your questions, comments, and concerns. Vince, what is the Google Voice number? 415-275-0030. All right, everybody. Thank you so much again for listening. And until next time, if you come at the king, you best not David Simon.
fishes up his car And as fuck he's up with some girl What the fuck did I do? Says the broken Irish drunk on As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.